Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. My name is Corey Engelhart. I am the host, and uh, tonight I am. I, I the last few episodes have been really fun, but they've been more Major League Baseball focused, and I'm excited for tonight to catch up with a a friend of mine who I haven't um, talked to in person for a couple months, but. Um, we're going to maybe focus a little bit more on, on town ball baseball and amateur baseball around the state. And I'm excited to, to catch some knowledge from him and some um, insight for what he does with um, amateur baseball in the state. And I, I hope, I hope you enjoy listening. Um, my friend's name is Ryan Meehan and he, and I have known each other for, couple of four or five years now and I guess time flies but um, I'm going to bring him on and he can help with the introductions of himself and then we'll get the show started. Hi Corey. Hey Ryan how are you? I'm doing all right how are you doing? I'm not bad yeah it's a good night it's a little cold. Can you, out, but... can you hear me all right? Oh yeah I can hear you. Just fine. Everything how, coming how through loud and clear? Yep, yeah it's all right it was, yeah. it was a little uh a little choppy at first, but but I'm hearing you well now. So, well, good. So, um, I guess I guess we can get started. Ryan, you um, are involved in Minnesota amateur baseball in a, in a few, at least as far as the last time we talked, a few different teams. Um, let's get started with uh, well, you and I met years ago because of your affiliation with the the Metro Knights in the Skyline League. And uh, are you still affiliated with them? And if and I, I assume you are. And I was just curious, like, what your role is on on that organization, that team. Yeah. Um, uh, well, first, th- thanks for having me on. Obviously, I've heard about the bot the bot podcast from various people, and um, I was honored uh, when you uh, asked me to participate today. Um, so about Where? baseball. Uh, the Metro Knights in particular, I, I know we met, um, I think it, I want to say it was at Line Drive Sports up in Lionel Lakes uh, several years ago, and we have a mutual friend, Brandon Warren. Yep. And uh, I think Brandon had, had mentioned you were looking to pitch for a team, and um, so we were having a, a winter practice, uh, which teams in Minnesota uh, will typically do inside <laughs> um, <laughs> through <laughs> through April sometimes through May because, you know, either too cold or too wet outside to actually get out on a baseball diamond. Or in a lot of cases in Minnesota, you don't even have cage nets up um, at the batting cages until, you know, quite late in the spring. So indoor practice is, is sort of a uh, a must. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so I, I coach uh, the Metro Knights. Um, I started off as a player um, when I first moved here uh, to Minnesota. Um, the original manager left. So uh, myself and Frank Madison um, kind of took the reins. Frank was our manager for a number of years. Um, had an injury um, a few years back that kind of took him away from the game uh, a little bit prematurely. Sure. Um, so for the last couple of years, I've been um, you know, sort of guiding the ship and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, provide a, 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 for, a vehicle for, um, you know, younger players um, and a few older players as well. Um, to have fun and um, you know play in a competitive environment during the summer, but um, also have an opportunity to to develop as ball players. Sure, and, and well, the Metro Knights—they're in the Skyline League, which uh, the website, if people are curious, um, stated it's the Minnesota Class A Amateur League. And how would you describe that level of competition compared to maybe other town ball or other amateur leagues throughout the? state or the midwest like what 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 level of competition would you say that is yeah so i guess i should ask first of all how familiar are your listeners with um minnesota amateur baseball uh let's assume because i can give uh, a, they've a never general heard background. of the sport yeah yeah okay. let's, let's assume so, that they've never heard of baseball <laughs> we'll go never heard of baseball. <laughs> well I, believe, I think the, i think you're saying the podcast is called baseball is good so i would hope that they've heard of baseball <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe, but um, yeah. So, so we in Minnesota are are truly blessed when it comes to the opportunity that we have 
as amateur athletes to go out and play competitive uh, baseball. Um, it is not like this in other states, even in the Midwest. Um, I came from Wisconsin, which has uh, some amateur leagues, um, but it's it's not it doesn't have the same level of organization that you find in Minnesota. Um, so you can you certainly get you know top level competition, um, but it's it's just not as big of of an event. Um, here in Minnesota, um, there are obviously a number of amateur leagues uh, that are out there. For some, are, some are based on um, you know your age. Some are based on geography. Um, but the the I guess I guess I would call the premier amateur leagues uh, are part of what's called the Minnesota Baseball Association. So typically, when people refer to town ball, that's what they're talking about. And the Minnesota Baseball Association uh, consists of, I think at last check, about 300 teams across the state, everywhere from, you know, population centers like the Twin Cities to tiny towns, you know, of 80 people. Um, you know, Kwamba or Sobieski, you know, <laughs> towns that people in the Twin Cities, you know, probably have never heard of have mm -hmm. amateur baseball teams that are not just, you know, fun local um you know, local things to do, but, you know, they're competitive teams, good good baseball teams. Sure. Um, so it's kind of unique in that respect. Um, but in terms of Class A, so, so the Minnesota Baseball Association consists of three different classifications. Um, in the Twin Cities metro area, um, there are about 35 teams organized into four different leagues that are all affiliated with each other. They have their own state tournament, and that's what's commonly referred to as Class A. Once sure. you get into the um, uh, outstate areas, um, you have teams divided into class B or C, depending upon the um, population size of the town and whether they're drawing in college players or not. And uh, those teams have their own state tournament, which, you know, year in and year out draws anywhere between ten and 15,000 people. Um, so it's a, it's sure. a big deal in Minnesota. Yeah, it's exciting. So how so – you moved from Wisconsin to Minnesota X number of years ago. How did you get mm -hmm. affiliated or uh, associated with baseball in the state? Like, how did how did that process work for you? Um, yeah, so I had been playing um, amateur ball in Madison, Wisconsin, and I moved up here for a job in law school at the time. And, you know, I was just interested in, you know, continuing to play. But, you know, I was kind of – I'm not – so I should, I should caveat, I'm not a great ball player. I enjoy going out there. <laughs> I have fun doing it. But I'm, you know, I'm not not somebody that people are going to go try and recruit, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of incumbent <laughs> upon me to try to find a team that would take me. Um, so actually a law school classmate of mine uh, found an advertisement on um, Craigslist, I think it was. Um, okay. So there was a new team that was starting up and they were looking for players. And I didn't know anything about Minnesota baseball. All I cared about was, okay, it's, you know, during the summer, it's wood bat. Seems like you know it would be an opportunity to play because it was a new team at the time, it was an expansion team. So I was like, all right, you know, let's let's go do it. And um, sure. yeah, so I just called called the guy up and he's like, yep, we're just looking for you know players that are you know committed and motivated to go out there. And because I had been playing in in Wisconsin, you know, he kind of you know understood that I was you know at least at a certain level um, to be able to compete, and that was pretty much. How I started here. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess that, that was how I met you in a certain sense. Like I, I had just had the itch to play. I hadn't touched a baseball for probably five or six years, and just wanted to get back into it somehow. And having an opportunity like that, and it was like line drive. You mentioned line drive, and that's um, the White Bear Lake area too. Um, but just having options like that to play indoors and then in the in the summer months play with a team and play competitive ball was really um interesting to me and I was really happy to have that opportunity for a few years and I know you played for a few years before I met you and and um your shoulder was healthier than mine was for the last few, few yeah. years too but it's been um uh fun to see that team evolve I know just when I started in 2012 12 or 13 with the Knights, like the team then is very different from now. And I know part of your role outside of managing the team is also um, 
recruiting, I guess. And I, I, I wanted to ask, you mentioned that you weren't necessarily a talented enough player to be recruited. And I don't know if that's debatable or not, but what, it's not debatable. If you're, <laughs> yeah, by you at least, but we can go from there. Yeah. But what you, you are sort of also the, would you say quasi GM or GM fully of yeah, the Metro can, Knights? Like, yeah. So, I mean, each, each team kind of, kind of handles things differently. Um, and, and really the degree to which people take it seriously, um, varies as well from team to team. There are a lot of teams out there that, you know, it's older guys that are, you know, maybe, you know, late twenties, early thirties out of college for a number of years. They do it because they want to continue to play with their college buddies. You know, they were college sure. athletes, you know, so they're, they're still, you know, decent ball players, um, but they're not necessarily out there, you know, trying to, uh, you know, develop or, or grow, you know, a young team, you know, for them, it's really about, you know, being able to continue to play past their college years. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then there are other teams that are really more focused on um, development. I wouldn't necessarily say that we're, you know, primarily focused on that because, quite frankly, we don't have, like, you know, a, a full-time coaching staff or anything. I mean, the, the people that do the coaching are, are players themselves. Um, and, you know, to the extent that we can offer, you know, tips, you know, or, or helpful hints, we'll do that. You know, but primarily it's providing a vehicle for younger players to get out there and compete, you know, and, and really work on things that they may have been, um, you know, challenged with during the, during the spring baseball season. So our folks, at least the last couple of years, has been on college players. Um, so we try to find a good mix of, of younger guys that are, you know, first and foremost, high-character players. Um, you know, we want people that are that are good human beings first and foremost, um, sure. and then second, you know, obviously have a certain level of talent, and hopefully, you know, blend it together with each other. You know, they'll produce a, a winning environment. You know, but you know more so than just you know raw wins and losses. We want them to, you know, have have an enjoyable time, to, you know, going out there and playing again, but but also feel like they can work on things without the pressure that you feel during the college season. Sure. Well, is that, so I was trying to get to, and I didn't word it very well. Is that, is that part of your sales pitch to why people should come and play for the Saints or, or play in this league in particular? Yeah. I mean, it depends on each player. I mean, I, I would say we don't have a, a sales I said pitch. Saints. I, I mean, apologize. I meant Metro Knights, oh, but yeah. Oh no, that's okay. I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a sales <laughs> A sales pitch, it's, you know, understanding what a player is looking for. So, you know, before I invite somebody to join us, you know, I have kind of have a list of players that, you know, intrigue me, um, you know, going into the, the college season. And, you know, as I should add, too, we don't, we don't have a lot of turnover typically. Um, I mean, you know, we might get eight to ten new players a year, um, which for some teams that's a lot. But we keep a pretty big roster, so eight to ten is, you know, we're talking maybe – one-third of the team maybe turns over. Um, so it's not like, you know, the Northwoods or, or something like that where you have, like, an entirely different team from one year to the next. Sure. Um, you know, so there is, con- there is continuity there. And, um, you know, before you really, you know, speak to a player about, about playing for you, you have to understand, you know, what that player brings to the table, what they're looking for. And if if – what they're looking to get out of the summer baseball experience matches what you have to offer, then at that point, you know, you can talk further and see if there's a fit. All right. Well, uh, I guess before we go forward, if, if there are people listening, which I know there are, and they know that they are interested in potentially playing or know of people who are potentially playing um, summer next year, spring, summer, mm-hmm. baseball next year in something like this, how would they contact you um, for more information? Oh, well, I mean, I guess I'm not, yeah, so I'm not necessarily, you know, trying to do this as a, as a pitch for people to join my team, but, um, you know. Well, I'm letting speaking, you do that right now if you want to. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's go for it. All right. Um, well, so, so let me just say, <laughs> if, if people are interested in more information about, about the Minnesota Baseball Association because things things depend upon where you live. I mean, if you're 
you're out in like Chanhassen or someplace, you're not probably not going to want to come play for a team in our league because we're primarily on the St. Paul side of town. Um, and then there are teams, you know, if you're if you're there are certain rules around where you live. If you're inside the 494, 694 belt line, then there's certain teams you can play for. If you're a bit outside, then there's other teams you you can play for. Um, sure. But generally speaking, if if you want to find out more about the statewide organization and what teams might be out there in your town, um, you can go to mnbaseball.org. I'll just say it again in case people are writing down. Sure. mnbaseball.org. That's the website for the Minnesota Baseball Association. They're also on Twitter. Um, we're on Twitter, at Metro Knights. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can find out information, um, you know, online, also through social media. And, you know, typically I think teams, you know, if they are looking for players, um, you know, the best thing to do is, is to talk to people early. You know, if, if you don't have any affiliation with um, a, with um, a team through through your college program or let's say you're, you know, um, you know, your experience level is high school, but you want to pursue something, um, you know, the best thing to do is just reach out to a coach, um, explain to explain to them what your baseball background is, and then just keep reaching out to them. I mean, we get a lot of requests during the winter from people that, you know, we've never heard of. We don't know anything about their baseball background. And so it's hard to necessarily, you know, look at an email and say, oh, yep, let's, you know, sign this kid up because we don't know anything about them. Um, so the best thing sure. to do is probably, you know, just reach out, keep pinging people, try to, you know, volunteer to set up some time to go to a batting cage or, you know, whatever during the winter so that you can show what you have, at least have a conversation. And, you know, most most coaches will be willing to at least talk to you, you know, and if you show up to a cage or something, you know, give you a you know quick assessment of where they think your skill level might be at and then, you know, hopefully direct you, you know, in the right, in, you know, to the right place. Well, yeah, and um, just speak, speaking from my own experience, this is exactly what I did. I, I reached out to Brandon, and Brandon I didn't know before. I didn't know personally before um, coming to the first couple of practices with the Metro Knights, but my my cousins went to high school with Brandon, so I knew of him and I okay. knew of him through email. But um, reaching out and, and, and going to line, line drive when it was still, you know, February and March. And yeah, we're getting a lot of free advertising then, to line drive here, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, that's by the it, way, it, line drive. Line place. drive still it does still exist. Uh but it's yeah, in exactly. Shoreview now and I I think it's appointment only. Oh. But you have not know Google they moved. Oh. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, they're just off a of highway. Yeah, 10. I I don't have the exact address, but um but yeah, they they okay. are still around. Yeah, they're not sponsors yet, but I would <laughs> I would love to go there again just to say I was there. The the I wonder if they still have the batting cage that makes it look like you're facing a real pitcher at the time. I always appreciated oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pro batter. Anywhere else. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think the pro batter, I think the pro batter is shut down. Uh, for those who don't know, the pro batter, or, or I, I don't know if that's what it was actually called, but it was, it was basically a simulator that allowed you to ratchet up the uh, velocity uh, to, you know, upwards of 90 miles an hour or, or higher if you wanted. You could program mm-hmm. in breaking balls. You could program in sequences of pitches. Um, and then it, it, there was like a video simulation as well. So as the ball was being pitched, it you know kind of showed you a video of of a real pitcher going into his lineup. Um, it, it was interesting. Um, I, I don't I don't think they have it functioning anymore. Sure, and and even the idea of that, like I think, was better than the reality at times, just because you're dealing with batting practice baseballs that are overly used and overly thrown. So sometimes a pitch that you wanted to curve a certain way might not do that. Like it wouldn't a real game necessarily, but it was still fun to see the, the, um, the option to have that, I guess. But yeah, I don't know that I ever saw anyone actually make contact off of a curveball on that machine. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like Clayton Kershaw (laughs) type curveball. And it's like, yeah, nobody's touching that. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. And yeah, baseball is just—they don't curve or move the same if they don't have seams on them. Right. It's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and there's no seams to pick up, so I mean that's obviously a huge difference mm-hmm. between facing a live pitcher. You know, <laughs> you can actually go a little, well, little bit different. Sometimes you can pick yeah. up on that, and you know, direct your swing sure. accordingly. Well, yeah. So my my personal experience with the Knights—it was awesome. I loved every moment of it. I hated 
when my shoulder didn't react the way I physically wanted it to, but I always remembered um, games in April and May being yeah. a little bit different than games being June ongoing as far as <laughs> being not a 21-year-old college player anymore. And is yeah. that is that still the same way it is as far as, um, I don't know, the team doesn't really turn over. It's still the same guys, but it, it was unique in that um, June comes around, college players are around, and it's a different for me, it was just a little different feeling. Still loved the experience, still baseball, but it was a little bit different June ongoing as far as what the baseball was like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a different feel, different different culture within the team, obviously, when you have, you know, college guys in the mix. Um, you know, there are teams that do schedule early season games um, in April and May. Those are typically going to be teams that don't feature a lot of college players, at least among the starters. Um you know, just because if if you if you have a lot of college guys on the team, they're not going to be available until after their college season ends, which at the very earliest is going to be mid-May. So mm-hmm. it, it's difficult for a lot of teams to schedule early season games. We in the last two years, because we've been more uh, heavily weighted towards the college players, we haven't uh, played early games the last couple of years. But I know what you're talking about the, with the early season games. You know, several years ago, it was actually kind of fun because you could go out to these places, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and there would be a crowd out for a game, you know, because yeah. people had nothing else to do <laughs> in that particular sure. small town. And, you know, there'd be 50, 50, you know, 75 people out for, you know, an April game because it's like, hey, there's baseball. It's spring out. Let's go outside and do something. Exactly, or, or have like the food going, or just you know the crowd. It, it was it was always fun yeah. to have that that opportunity to do that. Do you, yeah. do you have like favorite teams to go to travel to, or favorite parks, uh, baseball fields to yeah. maybe get to during the year for the Metro Knights? Yeah, so I mean there are a handful of teams that we schedule every year. Um, you know, beyond our conference schedule, which usually consists of about. 16 games. Um, we schedule another 20 games beyond that um, during the regular season. So a lot of those will be um, against uh, teams from uh, outside of Class A. And inside the Metro, there's not a lot in terms of um, you know crowd <laughs> crowd attendance or or any sure. type of festivities associated with the game. But if you go out to some <laughs> other places, um, you know, further away from the Metro. Uh, especially in western Wisconsin, I mean, you'll get decent-sized crowds and you'll get promotional stuff going on during mm-hmm. the games as well. Um, you know, Osceola is, is always one of our favorite places to play. Um, they will get out on a, on a, a good, good weather day, you know, two, 300 people uh, for a mm-hmm. ball game um, in, a, in a town of, you know, 2,100. Uh, so mm-hmm. those are, are really cool environments to play in. Um, you know, they'll have, I think one year we went up there and they actually were showing the sandlot um, on a big screen on the field after the game. Um, so that was the promotional event for that day. Uh, I know River sure. Falls has uh, games where they do fireworks afterwards. So it's just a, a much different type of type of event out in those areas. And it's always fun to get those games on the schedule if you can. New Richmond, I should add, is another good one. Uh, that we that we like like to go to great great um, great ballpark uh, you know good guys on that team and, and they're always a fun a fun competitive matchup as well New Richmond Wisconsin sure Hinkley. yeah I remember I'll add Hinkley too I'll yeah. give a shout out to Hinkley sorry Hinkley helped oh, us this year yeah. we, we we had a, a cancellation of a trip up to Duluth and um, they had a team cancel on them so instead of driving all the way up to Duluth we just went halfway to Hinkley and uh, had a really yeah. fun game against them that could have gone either way and, and we were able to pull out the win but it was it was a, a fun competitive ball game and um you know then you know a couple of us hung out after afterwards and you know got to know some of the Hinkley players a little bit and you know beautiful ballpark up there and again class organization so it's always fun to you know get those games in that's awesome yeah i i can't say i've been to uh river falls but i i know with the knights i i was at Osceola and New Richmond, and you're right; those were just amazing experiences to have, just to yeah. be able to meet other people and and see the sights. And I've heard good things about Hinkley too. I should 
um, just with kids now, I should make a point. Uh, games like that are a lot cheaper to attend as a fan oh, yeah. than um, major league major league stadiums or even like the Saints in St. Paul. It's, it's just something that's a good atmosphere and good experience to take in. Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have little kids, I mean, the town ball experience is is a lot of fun. It's, again, within the Twin Cities, it's a little bit different. It's it's you know because you don't have that that built-in you know community feel to it like you do in the rural areas. But if you go, I mean, all you have to do is drive 45 minutes out of the cities and you'll find all Mm -hmm. sorts of beautiful ballparks with, um, you know, quality baseball, you know, uh, you know, concessions, you know, decent sized crowd, just a fun family atmosphere. And, um, you know, sometimes they don't charge at all. Sometimes you might pay three or four bucks, but obviously it's going to become a more affordable experience. And, you know, then you can walk up to a ball player after the game and you know, obviously they're not a pro, but you know, for a little kid, do they really care? <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wanted to ask, with your role with the Knights, what is mm-hmm. it like to get um, a bunch of guys, maybe 28, 29, 30, or college kids along with it, to get to a game on time to have warm up before the game. What is that like to organize for you? Like, is that something that now that you've had years of practice for it, it it becomes easy or is it something that frankly, every single game is a challenge? Well, I wouldn't say that every single game is a challenge, but it's, it's certainly difficult. Um, We use a, we use a phone app to, to kind of track attendance. And so we know who is going to be at each game. Uh, So that helps. Um, because, you know, there's not that worry of, okay, you know, we've got eight guys here and it's 45 minutes to game time, you know, where is the rest of the team? You know who's coming. People are responsible. You know, they say they're going to show up. They show up. Um, okay. You know, but there are some times where you run into situations where, you know, you play a game that's a little bit further of a drive away. And, you know, with summer ball, a lot of the younger guys, you know, they're trying to balance baseball with a summer job. And, you know, I don't know what summer jobs you had in high school or, or college, Corey, but, you know, yep. a, lot of the, a lot of the summer jobs that are available today are crazy hours. You know, you're working at, you know, a golf course, you know, from 5 a.m. till 3 p.m. or maybe 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. till sundown, you know, or you're, um, you know, working retail, which, you know, your hours could vary from one day to the next. So, you know, as long as players communicate their availability, you know, we, we never have a problem with having enough guys because um, we carry a bigger roster too, or a larger roster. So, sure. um, you know, we might have a game on a Tuesday followed up by a game on a Wednesday, and, you know, there might be a situation where, you're, you know, half the guys over there on Tuesday are replaced by different guys on Wednesday because we have a bigger mm-hmm. roster. But, um, you know, we, we find a way to make it work. Um, but, you know, the thing is you just need to – you know, get people to communicate their level of commitment before you sign them, you know? Well, yeah, and I know you specifically, your full-time job isn't coach GM of the Knights. Like, you do your own thing, obviously, God, during the no. day you have a full-time job, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, I do have a day job. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, you are a, a lawyer, you said, correct? Like, your job yeah. isn't necessarily... I'm a pseudo, I'm a pseudo lawyer. I'm li- I'm licensed to practice law, but I work corporate gig. So okay, fair enough. So yeah. what, what do you what do you do during like during the day? Like how how is a day for you set up where you have to work and then also go to a game to make sure that everybody is um, on time and ready to play? Like what is that like for yeah. you? Do you do you sleep ever? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, no, not a lot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, it's, fl- it's flexible. I mean, as a coach, you obviously have to show up on time. Um, but, you know, having, having said that, you know, we're dealing with adults. We're not dealing with kids. Sure. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a certain expectation that, you know, people take personal responsibility for, you know, being the games on time, ready to play. Now, what that means for each individual player can vary. You know, generally mm-hmm. speaking, we like players to be there an hour before game time um, because that gives, 
you know, roughly half an hour to hit in the cage and then, you know, warming up as a team half an hour to game time, um, doing in and out maybe 15 minutes before game time. Um, but, you know, everyone's different, and depending upon where you're playing, that might not be an option. I mean, traffic in the Twin Cities is not the greatest, and so if you're, you know, going cross town during rush hour, you know, you're not always going to get there early enough to, to go through a full pregame uh, workout. But, you know, we mm-hmm. make it work. And, you know, most of the time, you know, if it's an important game, people are able to adjust their schedule enough to, you know, be there on time and, and be ready to play, whatever that means for them as individuals. And if somebody's not ready to play and we got nine guys there, I'm not going to put somebody that's not ready to play in the lineup. You know, I'm not going to reward somebody for strolling up five minutes for game time. Now, sometimes in rare occasions, you have to put a player in when they show up five minutes of game time because they're, you know, play, playing somewhere in like Northfield and, you know, you got ten guys, and you know you're, you've got six outfielders, and, and you don't have a shortstop or something. And then you know a shortstop walks up, you know, five minutes before game time. You you figure out a way to make it work, you know. But that's you know that's few and far between when that happens. Sure. Well, yeah. So is there um, just from the last year or two? Is there are there moments where? Um, you're either super angry. I, I, I remember how my I'm angry? poorly. I, I remember there was a game, a playoff game uh, with the Knights that one of the last games I actually attended for the Knights, maybe three years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. It was against Stillwater at Stillwater. And oh. the other, the opposing team hit players. I guess oh, I'm trying yeah, to say, yeah. is it, are there, are there moments that you remember uh, Coaching-wise, where you're either just elated or you wish you would have gotten thrown out sort of thing that stick out in your memory? <laughs> well, um, so I, I would I would say uh, in a moment of self-reflection here, um, I am probably the furthest away from that type of coach. <laughs> um, no, I've never gotten thrown out of a game. And yet, quite frankly, <laughs> I've had situations where players have kind of chuckled when they see me get angry because I'm pretty easygoing. Um, so sure. if I do get if I do get upset about something, you know, most of the time they know that there's a reason, you know, for it. You know, it's not like a daily thing. And, and you get some coaches out there, especially at the college level, that just will, you know, go into players, lay into them, you know, day in and day out. And that's not what what summer ball is about. You know, we 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 do give players a lot of um, not liberty <laughs> per se. I mean, we want them to be accountable, but, you know, we give them space. You know, I, I don't sit there trying to, you know, micromanage guys during the summer. You know, I let them do their own thing and, you know, we'll guide them back to the path if, if necessary from time to time. You know, really the only thing I ever get upset about is if there's a lack of effort or, you know, sometimes lack of focus if, it, if it's a systemic thing you know, that'll, uh, you know, get me a little bit angry. But um, most of it's because I just want these, I want our players to, you know, realize their full potential. And, you know, if they're if they're failing due to, you know, things that they can control through greater focus or greater effort, you know, that that's the type of thing that bothers me. Because then they're, they're letting themselves down. And, you know, we don't want to encourage or facilitate that type of attitude. So, you know, I'll, I'll get into players, you know, ear a little bit in those circumstances, but, you know, mistakes in the field, they happen. I'm not going to yell at some guy who yeah. be, you know, kicked a ground ball. Or, you know, I'm not going to bark from the dugout because a pitcher just walked a guy because he can't find his release point. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we'll sit down after the inning and, you know, talk about it, try to get them back on track, but, you know, it doesn't serve any purpose to, you know, just get angry for the sake of getting angry. Except sure. when and Stillwater I'm, hit a bunch of our guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I remember so that game too because I'm sure nobody. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I remember that that game specifically too because I was on the bench at that time. I I was about to have surgery on my shoulder, and um, uh, Coach Frank had a different viewpoint of the game, at least <laughs> as far as what should happen than than what you did. <laughs> kind of always stuck with me, and I. I appreciated your viewpoint, not that his wasn't valid, but I think I leaned more towards 
how you viewed what should happen going forward um, in that right. sense. <laughs> if that makes sense. And that's sort of, I, yeah. I wouldn't say in the, so this, an inside joke for listeners. It was, it was a sort of thing where one person's viewpoint was, well, let's just start hitting people because that'll change everything. And, and your viewpoint was um, <laughs> <laughs> more of a, let's, let's get the umpire to protest or that? get something to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just to set some context for listeners. So it was a playoff elimination game and uh, our opponent uh, kept hitting our batters. Like I think there were six mm-hmm. hit by pitches in the game and it was, it, you know, that it's one thing to say, okay, you know, maybe the guy on the other side is just wild. But this was multiple pitchers, and the guys that they were hitting were guys that were you, – you were questioning whether or not it was intentional, you know. You mm-hmm. have a base open, and you decide to, you know, drill, you know, our cleanup hitter, you know, in the back. You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, yeah. where you're just scratching your head like, okay, that ball three times didn't just get away. Yeah, 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 our starting pitcher got hit twice in his throwing arm while he was batting. So, you know, stuff like that where mm-hmm. you just start at a certain point, you're like, okay, somebody needs to step in and, and put an end to this because mm-hmm. it's, you know, clearly there, there's some intent behind it, but you know, at the same time, it's an elimination game. So your, your job is to, is to win the game, you know, to survive, to, to, to see the next round. And so it doesn't serve any purpose to start, you know, hitting guys on their side in retaliation, you know, when you're trailing in an elimination game. So it is what it is. There was no retaliation because that team folded after the season anyway. Um, and I don't necessarily oh, I didn't condone know that. retaliation. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, they're back now, but it's it's a completely different team under different management, and they're, they're actually a bunch of really yeah. good guys on on the current Stillwater okay. team. So no complaints about about the current version of their team. But yeah, you know, there were some hotheads on the on the uh, team that um, we were facing that day, and so you know it just gets a little chippy, and you know there's really no place for that. Um, you know it's it's summer. It's, it, you know, this isn't life or death stuff. You know, we're out there to have yeah. fun. And, you know, when you're, you know, throwing at guys and, you know, risking getting guys hurt because of that, it's, it's just, it's, it's silly. So. Yeah, I completely agree. It, at the time, even it didn't make a lot of sense because you're down three, four runs, like putting more guys on base to me, just on the base level didn't make sense, but, um, Anyway, yeah, I, I was one I, of the guys. I, I'm glad you remember way. that game. I, I'll throw this. Yeah, yeah. I was one of the guys that got well, hit. By the way, yeah. But that was I, one I, of your, or I, is one of. But your I stood skills. in there. Well, right. Yeah, <laughs> I stood in there and I took it off the elbow. <laughs> sure. You know, I was fine. I was, I was cool with it. We need a base runner, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask one. So the one question I've asked everybody on my podcast so far that I I'm, I'm interested to hear your answer is why baseball? Like how, I guess generally like what got you into loving baseball as, as a kid? Like, was it a family member, friend uh, looking up to players on TV or, or live? Like what do you remember like a moment where you realized I really like the sport or is it more um, maturation over time? Like how, why, why do you love baseball? I guess. Yeah. So I, I think it definitely matured over time. Um, but the the thing that, well, t- two things that sparked it. Um, one um, for Christmas one year, actually 19, Oh God, I'm going to date myself. If I tell you the year <laughs> uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I was eight years old. Um, you and I uh, are the, the Dodgers were in the World Series. That, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Dodgers were in the World <laughs> Series that year too. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I remember my my uncle, um, who um, is big into sports. He's actually the uh, commissioner of the um, uh, uh, the WEAC conference, which is the D three schools in, in Wisconsin. Um, okay, he was always into sports. So anytime he'd get us, my brother and I, like gifts for Christmas, they'd always be sports related. And so that particular year he got my brother and I these baseball card albums with baseball cards. And we didn't follow baseball at all um, mm-hmm. other than you know, it was on TV with the Kirk Gibson thing and Oral Hershiser's scoreless inning streak. And so that kind of connected sure. the game for me a little bit. Um, and then the other thing was uh, my great-grandfather who um, 
played uh, semi-pro ball back in the 1920s in the Milwaukee area. Uh, actually played with a former Black Sox um, for the 1990 oh, cool. Black Sox team. And uh, every time we'd go uh, visit my great-grandparents, he'd always ask, do boys bring your gloves? Um, and it was just, you know, something that cool way to connect with him. I mean, you know, he was obviously, you know, very old. Um, you know, as a kid, you know, it was just kind of cool that you had that thing in common. Um, and he actually, on one occasion, I remember, um, I, I don't know if it was like a Labor Day party or a Memorial Day party at my house, and we had family over, and he was there, and um, my brother and I were just playing ball in the front yard, and he came, he came out, um, and he's like, oh, why don't I hit you boys some ground balls? And so he starts hitting us ground balls in the front yard. My dad runs out, and he's like, he's like, what are you doing? You're going to, you're going to kill yourself. You know, he's like 88, 89 at the time. He's, you know, swinging the baseball bat. So it was just a, a fun thing to, to have in common with him. And, and, you know, because he could connect, you know, to the game, you know, from decades ago, you know, players that are, you know, we think of now that are, you know, legends that, you know, it's hard to relate to a Babe Ruth, a Babe Ruth or a Lou Gehrig, but I mean, those were his contemporaries, mm-hmm. you know, guys that he, well, obviously didn't play with, but, you know, that, you know, those were the baseball stars of his day. And, you know, to be able to connect to that and have a living connection was just a really cool thing that, you know, certainly spurred my interest in the game. Sure, I understand completely. Yeah, my my, my grandpa played northern Minnesota town ball yeah, back in the I day. You, and, um, yeah, you did some research on that recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a little bit. And I I need to get up to... World Roseau area to do more research on my own. I've kind of depended on people sending it to me um, uh, through email, so I'm going to need to get up there again. But yeah, just hearing, yeah. I'm kind of with you there as far as the experience. My my grandpa's favorite player of all time was Luke Gehrig, and just hearing the stories about he didn't play with him, but he played town ball at the time, and the players he played with, and and that time it, it that's that's a big part of why I got into baseball too and it's it's fun having that um connection to family in a sense also through the sport. Yep, absolutely. So well yeah, so I, I, I we've kinda talked uh the Metro Knights a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts about the the Federal League and the JTs, the team that I've kind of been introduced the last couple of years and I may be getting done with at least now with all my shoulders, but you you play with Jim Block and the St. Paul JTs now for a couple of years now ongoing, and you're still playing. Like, yeah. How would you explain that league to people who are, are maybe listening and thinking like, well, I can't face college kids, but maybe I can still get out and play <laughs> once or twice a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, just first, it's a, it's a caveat. I mean, if, so so the, the Minnesota Baseball Association – at least in Class A, does have a very heavy college tilt today. Ten mm-hmm. years ago, that may not have been the case as much, but certainly today, mm-hmm. um, the level of, of competitiveness has has gone up significantly. And so, right now, uh, I would say probably two thirds of of the players in our league are playing college ball somewhere. Okay. Uh, or or recent or recently played college ball. They're just years out of college. Um, so that, that's kind mm-hmm. of the level set where the where the talent is there. But having said that, I mean it's not a prerequisite. I mean if you have the passion for the game and you have the skill set, it doesn't matter if you play college. I didn't play college ball. I went to UW uh, Madison, which doesn't have a team. And even if it did, I certainly wasn't playing for a Big Ten team. <laughs> I would have been lucky to <laughs> I would have been lucky to have a bench spot on a on a you know a bad junior college team. Um, but uh, the point is, if you have a passion for it and and you have a dedication, there there are places to play. So even if it's not in you know the uh, Class A of of the Minnesota Baseball Association, there are other town ball leagues around the area, you know that have different degrees of of competition. You know some are more akin to high school level competition, and if that's where your skill set's at, you know that might be a better fit. Um, there are Sunday only leagues, you know where people show up and you know, play a double header on a Sunday, have some fun, and you know mm-hmm. that, that's a pretty low low amount of commitment. Um, so I, I don't want I wouldn't want to discourage anyone if they if they're sitting at home thinking, well, you know, I'm not a college player, I have no 
there, there's no way I could get into this. There are places for you to play, and you just have to do a little research sometimes to, to find out where that might be and you know, maybe trial by error in terms of finding you know, a good fit. But on the topic of the, of, of the JT, sorry, I kind of went off. Sorry, <laughs> no, I appreciate um, it, yeah. Yeah, so so the JTs are a little bit different. Um, so there's, um, you know, I mentioned there's a lot of different ways that leagues are structured in Minnesota, some by geography, some by age. So the JTs mm-hmm. are part of a 35 and over league. Um, and there's also a fall iteration of the JTs, which I think it's 30 and over, um, although that, that's mm-hmm. flexible. Like players that... If they're in their 20s, there are a certain number of players that are going to be on a team. Anyway, I won't go into the intricacies of the rules, but the point is it, it, sure. it, it's shifted older. It's definitely not college. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But having said that, um, you get a lot, of, a lot of really talented ball players that are just in different phases of their baseball careers. Um, mm-hmm. So the JTs, for example, um, we have, I don't know, four or five guys who are in their 30s, and then we have four or five guys who are in their 60s. And mm-hmm. that sounds like, oh, my God, a 60-year-old playing baseball? Well, yeah, they're, they're quality ball players. I mean, these are guys that mm-hmm. back in their prime were elite-level ball players, And, mm-hmm. you know, they may not have the same quickness that they did on defense, obviously, because, you know, you lose <laughs> several steps mm-hmm. over the years. Um, but yep. they can still swing oh, the bat. Mm-hmm. They understand the game at such a deep level that, you know, just in terms of instincts and everything else, I mean, they are smart ball players and they can get the job done. It may look differently than it did 30 years ago for them, but they're still out there able to compete and have fun. Um, so it, it's an interesting mix um, in terms of experience levels, age, um, baseball background, but, um, you know, it's a fun group. And I, th- I think most of the teams that are in that league, you know, have a lot of fun with what they're doing. And, um, you know, it's it's just it's a more tight knit community, I think, because um, a lot of these guys have been playing ball either with or against each other for decades in some cases, um, and there's a lot of wisdom to be learned uh, from watching these guys play and talking to them after the ball games. Certain, yeah, I, I've had fun playing along with the league too, because you said you said it too, like the 60 year olds that are on the JT specifically. Um, arguably are the better players on the team than the guys in the thirties, yeah. frankly. Like yeah, they're true. really good hitters and um maybe don't have the range that a college kid would have at second, short, third, but if it's hit to them will make the play as well as anybody and it's it's just fun yeah. to marvel and sit back and watch them do what they do. Um and, yeah. and cheer them on. Well, and it's still baseball. And it's more of a it's more of like a role player type team, you know, because you have mm-hmm. you know the older guys who, you know, their forte at this point may be more in terms of hitting, you know, and then there's younger mm-hmm. guys who like myself. I'm not a particularly good hitter, um, but you know I can still move around pretty well, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially especially you know given given my relative youth compared to the rest of the league, um, you know it's kind of mm-hmm. funny. I go from being the oldest and slowest guy. Mm-hmm on the nights to, to, you know, the youngest and, you know, not the fastest, but, but one of the faster guys uh, on, yeah. on the JTs, <laughs> right, where it's like I get on base for the JTs and it's like, oh, there's the steal sign. It's like, does he realize that in my other team I haven't stolen a base in like three years because I would get thrown out by <laughs> 10 feet? <laughs> but it's just a different pace of play. And so sure. it's kind of it's nice because you have, you, you kind of understand what your role is. You understand what you're mm-hmm. good at. You understand how you can, how you can contribute to the overall success of the team. And it, it's much more egalitarian in that respect than, you know, maybe it is for, you know, a team with a lot of college guys where, you know, everyone tends to, to you know, kind of be at the same, roughly the same skill level in that league um, in terms of what, what they can and cannot do athletically. So it's just more, mm-hmm. it, it's just a different dynamic. Sure. Plus, like experiencing both in the last for me the last five six years experiencing both teams, I, I kind of appreciate. I didn't hate um, the dugout chatter with the Knights. It was just a different 
um, being 28, 29, 30 and, and talking to 19 year old college kids feels different yeah. to me than being 35, 36, 37 and talking to the 60 year olds on the bench. It's just a right. different, the small talk you talk about outside of even just baseball talk is just, it's just different. And I appreciated the, the move in that way. Maybe, well, maybe you understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the younger teams, I mean, they're, those players are oftentimes still transitioning into adulthood. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. It's just it's just no. a matter of fact. I mean, they have different priorities. We've all priorities. been there. Yep, we've yep. all been there. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it, that's, that's not to make a generalization because we, we've got a lot, of, a lot of players in the Knights who are mature beyond their years who um, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, if, if I were – if I were interviewing them for a job, I would never, I wouldn't even hesitate to to get to you know, to offer it to them just because they, you know, that's the the level of um, maturity and sophistication and professionalism that they have even at 18 or 19 years old. Um, but mm-hmm. generally speaking, you deal with an 18 and 19 year old versus a 35 year old. There's going to be a difference in terms of attitude and approach to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I get your point as far as conversing in the dugout and having small talk. It's just, it's a much different dynamic. <laughs> well, yeah, talking to someone who's 65 and has kids who are out of college that are older than kids on the nights is just a different um, worldview, yeah. I guess, in a lot of sense. And um, it, it's still baseball, and it's fun. For, like, that's what I love about the sport, frankly, because you can be basically any age and still be a part of it. And I, I appreciate having the opportunities here in the state of Minnesota for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. Yeah, it it truly is unique. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there are other states in other parts of the country that maybe have, you know, something like this. But if if there if there is, I haven't heard of it. And you know, certainly when you look at at the surrounding states, um, I mean, Minnesota does it really really well. Wisconsin does it okay. Wisconsin does it okay. There are a lot of teams. There's some fun places to play. Some good competition. You know, but it's it's just not at that same level of organization and sophistication as you see here in Minnesota. Sure. I, I mean, I've perfect example. The, perfect I, example. I've heard the same thing, no, you're fine. I would say perfect example. Uh, several years ago, uh, Team USA, uh, the 18 and under Team USA, uh, traveled through Minnesota on their way to Thunder Bay for a tournament, uh, inter- international tournament. And they played a handful of games here in Minnesota. They, I, I think they probably played the Saints. Um, they played a couple of all-star teams from comprised of players from our leagues, and it was a competitive ball game. I don't know. I think wow. the, I think Team USA won each of the games, but I know the game that they played against uh, the Class A All-Stars, it was a one-run game. Lance McCullers, who okay. just pitched in the World Series, closed the game out. Um, sure. <laughs> Francisco Lindor was in the lineup. I mean, so obviously they were younger. They were 17 years old, or you know, maybe they were 18. Sure. I'm not sure how the age that works for 18U if they can be 18 or, or not when they play for it. But point is, you know, these are guys that were the cream of the crop of high school players. You know, many of whom have gone on to play professional baseball. You know, and they were able to, you know, the, the amateur Minnesota amateur players were able to hang with them. So it, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's you don't always get that, and that was obviously an all-star team, but, you know, there is some very good amateur baseball, and it's it's just such a, a privilege to be able to participate in it and continue to be involved. And, you know, anyone I would say anyone that's out there that is looking to, you know, continue their baseball career beyond college, or even if you weren't a college player but really love the game, there are ways to get involved. And, and it's definitely worth pursuing. It'll be a rewarding and fulfilling yeah, no, no doubt it was for me, absolutely, and I know it is for you <laughs> with the two teams that you're affiliated with. But yeah, it's 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 fun to have that that opportunity. I I second everything you're saying. So, I had I had one other question, um, and not really mm-hmm. baseball related, but you oh. uh, well, actually have a few other questions. But we only I, I don't want to go too long on your time. But you are the either first or second person I've ever met that is into a 
thousand-plus-year-old sport called hurling, and I was hoping you could oh. give a quick synopsis of what that sport <laughs> is. And are you still are you still playing that? Um, yeah. So baseball takes priority for me because because now that I'm in a coaching <laughs> role, it's it's hard for yeah. me to say, oh, sorry guys, I won't be at the game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. As a player, <laughs> as a player, there's more flexibility to do that. Be like, hey, coach, I gotta miss this game. Um, so yeah, at least the last two summers since I've been coaching, um, I haven't had the opportunity to, to play hurling during the summer. I do a little bit in the fall, although this fall was kind of weird with scheduling. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's an Irish, an Irish sport. So here, here's a, here's a good way to think of it. Um, imagine if, um, you went to a college football game. Ohio State and Michigan, right? At mm-hmm. Ohio State. And you've got 100,000 people out at the football stadium to watch that game. Ten instead of Ohio State versus Michigan, the game is between um, Stearns County and Chisago County. <laughs> that is how big hurling is in Ireland. The, it's, okay. it's treated as an amateur sport and all of the teams are organized by counties, and the counties in Ireland are generally pretty small in terms of population size, and you'll get, mm-hmm. like, tens of thousands of people out to watch a match between two counties. Um, in terms of the sport itself, it's got elements of field hockey, lacrosse, baseball. Um, it's hard to describe. I would just recommend, yeah. if, if you're interested in learning about it, uh, YouTube it. There are highlight videos you can watch. Um, the gist of it is, it, it's the size of one and a half soccer, or sorry, one and a half football fields. It's 13 players on each side. You have a stick that's kind of like a lacrosse stick, except there's no basket on the end. It's just a flat paddle. And then you have sure. a ball that's like the size of a hacky sack. And there's certain rules around how you can hit the ball, how long you can have it in your hand, whether you can, um, you know, move around with it. Um, but ultimately, the goal is to hit the ball into the goal for three points or between the uprights for one. And it's just a very fast, intense, um, yeah, just there's a lot of physicality to it. <laughs> you have to, you, you'll, you'll get your cardio and <laughs> just leave it at that. Sure. Um, but in the Twin Cities, because, you know, there's an Irish, pretty big Irish population, and especially in, in St. Paul, um, yeah, they, there's a club. And there are clubs around around the country, and they compete uh, in tournaments nationally. Um, but then in, in St. Paul, um, there's like a city league that plays during the summer every Sunday uh, down in Egan, and uh, it's a really um, it's a really fun fun group of people, very welcoming. Um, people of all ages and skill levels are invited to play. Um, it's co-ed, and uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It's it's the uh, Twin Cities, um, well Robert Emmett's. Uh, hurling club and if you look him up okay. on facebook you can find out more information about him all right or yeah I'm, I'm, i might fair, do that they have a display at irish fair every year sure i know you've mentioned that and the former corker of mine mentioned that she she played at the irish fair too and it would just yeah. i haven't seen a match yet and it's just one of those things that certainly sound interesting to me i guess more than anything so would you say you, you knew that somebody? A former coworker. I, I haven't seen her in a oh, couple of years now, actually. Gotcha. Um, and I don't even. Uh, it's not worth podcast time, but yeah, she's married now, and I don't remember her her married oh, name. Megan. So I, Megan. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what her married yeah, name is now. Caddy. So this. Yeah. That was her. That was her. Uh, from our her um, maiden name. I just can't remember what her her married name is now. I haven't seen her in a couple of years, but yeah, she played too. So it was either you or her that, that told me about the sport first. And I was always just a little bit interested about it. And I, I kind of wanted to give it a, a go as far as uh, attendance at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun. Sure. Well, yeah, uh, God, we're coming up on the hour. Uh, one more time. How about you uh, go over the website for, if people are interested in, in, looking into participating in town ball baseball in Minnesota. Yeah. And then um, maybe who you are. Yeah. um, The the Minnesota Baseball Association website is mmbaseball.org. 
And like I said, there are 300 teams across the state, so um, chances are your town has one. Um, within the metro area, things are a little bit more fluid. Generally, players will choose to play with, um, you know, friends from college or friends from, you know, the various travel teams that they've gotten to know growing up. Um, so it's it's not as town-centric in the Twin Cities. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams to choose from. So if you, if you have the ability and have the inclination to do it, um, you know, you can probably find somewhere to play. Yeah, and I, I recommend it. There there are very worse ways to spend your time in the spring, yeah, summer, sure. fall months in, in Minnesota. <laughs> like the, these are one well, of the better options for things to do. Yeah, agreed. And and ex, an excuse to have that to get away from reality for a little bit is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and depending upon how much time you want to commit to it, too. I mean, there, like I said, there are other leagues as well. Uh, and we play a pretty robust schedule. We're usually out there 40 to 45 games every summer. Um, but there are other teams mm-hmm. that play a bare-bones schedule, you know, 16 to 18 games. Um, and then, like I said, there are other leagues out there as well that are like Sunday-only leagues that, you know, maybe the competition level isn't quite at, at that same college level, but, um, you know, it's still competitive enough to make it fun. There's also Legal Latina, which uh, our mutual friend Jackson plays in um that's a, sure. a fun a fun environment as well um sure but uh yeah so i mean there are a lot of different options out there yeah that's awesome well yeah i i don't want to take more of your time i appreciate you coming on here and, and chatting for a little bit it's been yeah. fun and people have yeah. more specific questions for you ryan how would they how would you recommend people contacting you do you appreciate facebook do you appreciate other social media do you want to just go through the Metro Knights website? Like, how would people contact you sure. if they have other questions? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we have a presence on social media, obviously, um, Facebook or um, Twitter at uh, Metro Knights, um, or our website MetroKnightsBaseball.com. Uh, although that maybe just as a forewarning, that's not completely up to date with, with our twenty. <laughs> 2017 information, but um, it is out there. Um, or an email, uh, gm at metronitesbaseball.com if anyone has any questions. Um, you know, they can contact me directly that way. Um, yeah. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, my beautiful girlfriend, Maggie, who may be listening. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome, Maggie. <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks. Thank you, Ryan. I just, I, yeah, thank you for having the time for this tonight. It's been fun to chat, and let's uh, let's catch up at some point and be good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, try, uh, trying to uh, get it out on the mound this summer with, with the JTs. I, I know it's, it's always frustrating to have to deal with injury, and, you know, that's one of the things that as we get older, all of us have to face in some capacity or, or another um so you know you know the thing is when you're young enough to play you know you might as well take advantage of it because it's it's something that you know is not guaranteed um and you know certainly i feel it as well you know each year it's kind of like oh yep lost a step there or oh just a <laughs> second behind on my swing there um and it, it just kind of happens incrementally you don't even realize it um but the nice thing is there are other levels of, of baseball that you can, um, you know, play at, like, you know, the 35 and over, or, you know, I think even with um, some of the JT players, um, they participate in, in some leagues down in Florida and Arizona where it's like tournaments where they're like 50 and over leagues or 60 mm-hmm. and over. I think I even heard there's a 70 and over. <laughs> so, That's um, awesome. you know, I know, right? Um, yeah, I, I think I think in a lot of cases, you know, I, I certainly don't want to still be playing ball when I'm 70 years old. Um, but <laughs> point is, if you're motivated, if you're motivated and you're healthy enough to get out there, you you can find a place to play, and and you know, spread your love of the game and and uh, you know, really fulfill that that part of your part of your life. So, sure. Well, yeah, I I know I I gave it a go this year. I. Whenever I went about 50% or more effort, my shoulder just screamed. So I don't, I don't know how much more I can give to it unless I really have a throwing program that I, I don't know that I have the time for. But I've started curling. 
not not hurling. So I'm, I've started oh. hurling, and that's that's maybe what I'm going to be using my time for outside of work and reality. But yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a good run, and I don't know how much my shoulder has for throwing anymore, but it certainly is still um, the sport is still really fun to follow along with in any way that I can get get to it, I guess. But mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah. As long as long as you're as long as you're pain free, I mean, I think that's kind of the the big thing, right? You know, be able yeah. to experience it with because you have you have two two young kids now, right? So being able to you know pass on your love of the game with them and be able to play catch with them, you know, is probably the bigger focus, I would think. Yeah, for me that'll be the big thing going forward. I just want to be able to play catch with them, and eventually, if they're if they're into baseball or whatever whatever they're into, hopefully they're into something. I just would want to be able to do it without pain. That that'd be my big right. goal for my my life, I guess, more than anything. But yeah, that's that's what I'm shooting for. Um, I don't I don't want to take more of your time. Thank you for being on the show. Have a good rest of your night. Thanks. You too. I appreciate the opportunity, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, it was interesting to somebody out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I'm, I'm going to go with it. It was interesting to me, and that's really what matters, like more, more than anybody else right, right. right now. So, well, yeah. Have a good Sounds night. Good. Uh, once again, um, this is baseball is good, and I'm Corey Engelhart, the host, and uh, my guest was Ryan Meehan, and this was fun. So I hope hope listeners enjoyed. Yeah, have a good night, Ryan. Thank you.